Hi everyone and welcome to Philosophy Rekindled with our focus book, the 1920 published version of Tertium Organum by P.D. Spensky. Today we are discussing chapter 21. This is part 4. You will find the audio version of this chapter as an additional audio to this podcast and you'll also find additional information on our website philosophyrekindled.com. Today my guest is Peter Lancet, hypnotherapist, author and classic scholar. And I'm Alice Flanagan, fiction author, computer programmer and podcaster. Thanks so much for joining us and welcome Pete. Okay, so I'm just going to jump right in and uh, we, we left off in the middle of chapter 21 and we're up to this sentence. Now I know your sentence is slightly different because you read it out to me a little earlier. So I'm just going to read what I've got and then pop in with what you've got. So at the very beginning of this book, and this is where Spensky's is bringing in the initial premise that he that he said we'll start from here. At the beginning of this book, the existence of the world and consciousness was admitted, the I and the not I, i.e. reality and the dual division of everything existent because all other opposites are derived from the opposition of the I and the not I. Yeah, he's, that, that's the sort of thing that would have you in a hypnotic trance when you're reading it because it's all over the place and he's he has adjusted it a little bit <laughs> made it a little easier to understand and well certainly a little easier to follow not understand and in in the revised version he's put at the be- very beginning of this book the existence of the world and of the psyche was admitted i.e the reality of the dual division of everything existent because all other opposites are derived from this opposition and i think it's interesting that he decided to do away with the i and the not i and all of that oh, stuff I'm so because glad that little did. that little um, paragraph as is uh, as i've just read it out does actually keep it clear keeps it simple and moves us on to what he's actually wanting to tell us about so let's understand then we, we we did accept it even i accepted it yes duality is um, a critical part of the three-dimensional world of existence as we know it yeah and he's going to move from that because he's saying that from that we've accepted that the expansion of consciousness includes both so do you remember the very very first podcast where we we started this discussion and I read out you know his premise we're going to start with the world and the and, mm-hmm. and consciousness the two things we know mm-hmm. and your words were I refute it all <laughs> I do yeah I refute all of it only because he made the assumption that we 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 would all just accept it um and I guess in a way he's right I mean now that we're this far into the book you know I can happily say that Obviously, people who've um, worked with um, empirical philosophy, as particularly if, uh, the rationalist empirical philosophy of Locke, Berkeley, and Hume, will have had many opportunities to examine the refutation of this assumption of what we believe. But he is right, Ospensky is right. The vast majority of people existing on this earth, living or dead, gone but not forgotten gone and forgotten yet to come will still live in that world of ex- of just understanding du- the duality of nature and and thinking that that's the only reality he was right to say that that's what people uh, really accept and now you're right yeah. he's going to come he's going to come and knock it right in the head he's going he's going to take a baseball bat and knock it way beyond the stands yes yes like a big piñata that's the one <laughs> 
Yeah, and I understand why he's he started where he started because he's taken us on this great big long journey, which is really, you know, you, you can't mm. um, have taken this journey and still agree that, you know, the dual division of everything is existing. I'm sorry, I, I was just going to say, I, I, I love this little line he's put, dualism is the chief idol. Let us free us from it. Because if you remember, we were talking about these these false idols that we believe in, in the three-dimensional world, when we when we believe that that's all there is and that everything is, you know, governed by the rules of the three-dimensional world. When we believe that, we're actually believing in these false idols. And he's saying that, the du that dualism is the chief idol because duality hinders us and it appears as an obstacle to knowledge when we go beyond the third dimension. I love that, though. Dualism is the chief idol. Let us free ourselves from it. And I think that is the actual introduction to what's coming now. Yeah. That, that ought to yeah, have been absolutely. like a heading, you know, a sort, a sort of heading. I thought it was great. Let's let's get into that then. Let's get into I'll let, it. I'll let, you, I'll let you lead us. Yes. Well, he further goes to say, we, in order to comprehend the world of many dimensions, must renounce the idol of duality, and and I, I love that because this renouncing—it's you know you you, you it's almost yes. got religious overtones, hasn't it? I know. Thus, and, I refute it. I refute everything. <laughs> yeah. So this you're right. This is where he's he's heading, and I and I never really thought of duality as an idol before he's, he's put it in that those terms. I I, I kind of thought it, thought of it as something non-physical, but when you look at it. In reality, it's everything physical, isn't it? It is a well, it's physical basic, thing. Yeah, it's, it's the basic false belief that every other false belief is predicated on. So, yeah, it is the chief idol. It is it is the golden idol of idols. It is the one that we ca we we carry it on the Ark of the Covenant and we, we worship it and bow down to it, craven image though it may be. I'm going to stop talking like this now, by the way. <laughs> and can we free ourselves from it? Yeah, we Yeah, we can. Yeah, well, you might ask. Yes. And so, the answer was right there. Yes, we can. <laughs> yes, yes, we can. So, Aspensky then then speaks about the application of monism, which obviously is the um, lack of duality. I would say that a good word is singularity. Yeah, it is. Do you, cause, because it's a, it's, it's a better, it sounds a, a, a better apposition to duality singularity duality rather than monism yes. it sounds like you're talking about two different things there now i'm picking at straws and i'm not having a go to Spensky. i'm just thinking from the point of view of discussing it it's easy to say duality singularity duality i know that some people will understand a singularity as a mathematical proposition that i would call a unicorn or a fairy because it ref refers to um, the mathematics of the black hole which doesn't really exist but we won't go down that black hole. We've been there. We've been we've yeah, been to that black been. hole. So yeah, let's let's have a look at this. I, I like this bit though. You know, he says like you know the application of um, I'm going to say singularity to practical thought meets the insurmountable obstacle of language, which again we've met time and time again, haven't we? And he says yeah. our language is incapable of expressing the unity of opposites. What a phrase. What a great phrase to, to, to describe singularity, the unity of opposites, just as it cannot express spatially the relation of cause to effect, which it can't. No, it's a, it bends your brain because the words don't 
make any sense. It, it's it's back down to the absurdity that that language yeah. makes everything appear as. And like he says, you know, we come back to this: a is both a and not a, which is a complete absurdity in the lang- in a language that's predicated on our belief in duality. Mm. We have no way of expressing it otherwise, and and yet. That is a reality in itself, but we also understand that that's not the reality either. This was the bit that I really kind of went, oh, my God, that's right. Because yeah. when, I, when I, you look at it and say A is both A and not A, we've already we've walked to that journey and, and kind of come to the point where we think, yeah, that makes sense when we're looking at infinity. We, we, we've done the big infinity mm-hmm. step yeah. through. But then he says, well, that's still not the case. It's still untrue because... In the world of causes, there are no opposites. There is no A and not A. It's all A. Yeah. Or not A. <laughs> so, <laughs> or not well, A. Well, it's, and so he's come to say, well, you can't even uh, truthfully say A is both A and not A or everything is both A and not A. You could possibly get closer by saying A is all. But this is also no, you untrue. Can't. No, you, you can't, because there, there would have to be a not A as well. Well, yes, that's where, that's where the conundrum is. Yeah, the expression of A implies a not A. So, you, you know, we have to invent a new word. I'm going to suggest that the singularity that we are trying to describe here, uh, we can describe by using the word Bleh! So whenever you encounter well, uh, you understand a singularity by it. I mean, no, there isn't. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. There's no syntax that goes with my new word well, either. So we need we need a grammatical yeah. syntax to to actually be able to use it. The moment that you uh, you place it on the the wheel of grammatical syntax, there is well, and there is not well. So it never bloody works. Do you see what I mean? It, you just can't do it with language. It can't be do, can't be done with language. No. No, he said this is exactly the thing which our language cannot express. It cannot express that A is all or A is not only all but also an arbitrary part of all. It just can't do it. Um, <laughs> no. And it is to this that we must accustom our thought and train it along these lines. So it's yeah, almost I mean, like accepting something hmm. you don't even understand. Okay, even. Right. now you've used great words there because that's exactly what it is. You have to, I mean, some people might consider this a leap of faith uh, that we're having to apply faith to it. But I don't think it's faith. I don't think this is about belief in something that you can't prove, which faith tends to be i think this is something more i think that this is you ju- this is acceptance of what is now this is what uh, i i've always gone on uh, and said this this is why experience is paramount and and having these little flashes of connecting with the un- undescribable in language experience of infinity this this idea of sartori that comes from Buddhist meditations, Zen meditations, and so on, the, the glimpse of nirvana, whichever you want to call it, the experiences we have in the Western world, that experience is the only thing that you can have where you can experience the certainty of that. But when you come back, you can't bring it with you because there's no way of expressing it to other people. There just isn't. The only thing you can do is say, Go off and find it for yourself, and then you'll know what I'm talking about, even though we won't be able to talk about it. Yeah, you could give each other a knowing look. 
that well basically that's all you can do you can say you know you know that you know that time when you experienced sartori in your meditational practice and i'll go yeah and he'll say i've had that too um jolly good wasn't it and i will go yeah except that obviously it can't have been good because good would imply that there was an opposition to good and that would mean bad which means oh you get where we're going with this there is yeah. no way of even expressing the experience in any term whatsoever you just have to have the experience or while you're waiting to have it live in acceptance that that is the truth behind the illusion that we are having to meander our way through in a human existence that we're having now yeah i think that's the the, the thing yeah and and interestingly when you when you even say that if you've had an experience and someone else has had the experience there is no way of even knowing that you've had the same experience well it's you know because we can't know. talk about it we can't you talk can't talk about, about it. it exactly right so it's, <laughs> it's even even it's not even the the experience and the not experience it's just you, it, it, language cannot even start to to, to well to let's say that's it. what you just said you know it's not even the experience and the non-experience well even that has implied a duality, hasn't it? So you, exactly we can't, right. Yeah. We can't even explain what you can't have. Yeah, you're toast. That's basically yeah. you're toast. We're gone. So we have to train our minds not to get tied up in this, uh, and you know, and and start getting really tense and knotted up about it, but just just accept it. Yeah. And yeah. that way, that way, it will be eventually revealed to us, should we wish that to happen. And that's an interesting point. Because I think you know, Spensky has hinted at what it's like in the beginning of the last chapter of this chapter, but no yeah. one's been able to tell you what it is. It's it's like you know no. the horror, the abyss, but they can't actually tell you what it is. Yeah, there's going to be a bit that's uncomfortable, but it's going to be worth it when I get there, and then I'll come back and I will have had that experience, and I don't need to talk to other people who had the experience because they, like me, will know that there's nothing we can say. That's that's how it works. Yeah, the Spensky's giving it a crack. Yeah, but he also but he also knows, doesn't he, that you that he he's going to he's going to fail um, just like everybody else that's trying because he's by the way he's not the first person or the last to have tried to make this explanation. What he is, um, as far as I'm concerned, is one of the best at understanding that the explanation that he's giving you is going to be dismally failure written mm. you yeah. know the, the very the very the very idea of actually conveying it in any language much less russian english or whatever is doomed to failure but he'll try anyway basically what he's doing with this book is getting you to understand this state of acceptance he is taking you through all the mind twisting stuff that you would go through on, that you would go through on your own in the hope that you're one of those people who come out at the end of this book and just sit there. I don't need to wrestle with this anymore. I just accept that that's the case. And as I meditate on things, in whichever way I meditate, it doesn't have to be a Zen Buddhist empty your head meditation. It could be going for walks in nature and then suddenly spotting the, the connectedness of everything and so on. But at some point, just by living in acceptance of the singularity that is reality, it will become revealed to me in a way that is practical and helpful in my current human experience in this 3D world.
I think that's the best way. That's the best way I can put it to explain the value of what Uspensky's done with a book like this. He has made he has made your head wrangle with with you know the absurdity as it's cased in language. Not only the linguistic absurdity, but the mathematical absurdities that, that he went over mm. again and again and again at the start of this book, you know, um, so that in the end you will stop fighting and learn to accept. And now we come into like Taoist philosophy or Taoism. I mean, we're supposed to call it Taoism now. It used to be spelt with a T when I was a kid. But then, but then the capital of China used to be called P- Peking, and now it's Beijing. Ah, oh, God only knows. What was what was Mumbai, Bombay, yeah, there's the, Calcutta, Calcutta. Who knows? But anyway, coming coming back to it, the basis of it is we bend like the reed in the wind. We live in acceptance. We just know that that's what it is. It'll re- reveal its benefit to us as we need it, as we go through life. Mm. Brilliant. Mm. But that acceptance, yeah, I like it. So moving on with the Spensky, yeah. uh, the next next sentence. I'd like to to discuss is we must train our thought to the idea that separateness and inclusiveness are not opposed in the real world but exist together and simultaneously without contradicting one another. Yeah, well, I I, I don't think there's a lot to discuss there. We understand that if we can't just allow that idea to be part of of, of our experience of of being, then we're going to struggle. We're going to struggle with this this duality versus singularity thing until the day we die, if we do die, which I'm not going to go into. Um, but you know, the, you know what I'm saying. It, it's a real struggle. If you can't just live in acceptance of that, um, you're going to have all kinds of problems. And I think Aspensky is right to point this out. Yeah, I think so too. And I think the next the next little bit explains it really well. Let us understand that in the real world, one and the same thing can be both a part and the whole, i.e. the whole without changing can be its own part. Yeah, I, I like that. Yeah, it does sound absurd, but it makes sense. Yeah, it does. This, You know, and again, it's, it's a nice simplification of that wonderful um, philosophical idea that you are not a drop of water in drop it falling into the ocean, but the ocean becomes part of the drop and so on. That's a very difficult idea because it's a visualization and it's it's impossible to visualize it. And anybody that thinks that they can, um, good luck with that. I'm not sure that you can do it. You can you can feel it, but I don't think you can see it. And you certainly can't express it. But I think he, he's now simplifying things for us. He's given us the hard graft. We've done the hard slug. And now, as we come towards the end of this book, let alone this chapter, he's he's now bringing us down. This is like when you do a really hard exercise workout and you have to go through the warm down afterwards. Yes. Otherwise, your muscles yes. explode and your brain hurts. So uh, I think that's now we're, we're finding gentle ways of living in the acceptance of, of the hard graft we did before coming to terms with these really, really difficult and brutally difficult concepts because the concepts rely on language to describe them. And, you know, we can't, st- you know, we can't state it often enough that language is inadequate to the task. Mm. Well, you know, the, the journey of going through all the bra- brain bending for me has been exceptional because when we get to this part, he's tying it all together 
and because I've struggled and and wrapped, wrapped my brain around a lot of things, now when he starts tying it together, I go, ah, I've got that bit, I've got that bit, I put it together yeah. and it makes sense. Well, you're already in a state of acceptance for a lot mm. of it. You're not trying to overanalyze stuff that you using language that you that, you know language can't do. It's great. You yeah, know, it's, exactly. It, I, I like that he's done that, and I like the way that he's constructed this book in that way. I, you know, he's either done that on purpose or it's evolved in this way, but it works. It does work. Yeah, it works. Yeah. I'm just going to say I'm not going to try to analyze the language of of this. You know, we have to accept that the the whole without changing can be its own part, and so on, and, and understand that there are no opposites in general. Yeah, I'm I'm there. I'm with it. I don't really need to analyze that. I don't need to discuss it. I don't need to try to refute it. I don't. I because I do accept it. I do know. Yeah, I, I I'm with you there, and I think the the very next sentence for me crystallized it. And he says, understand that there are no opposites in general. That everything is a certain image of all, and that a certain image of all. Uh, resonated with me because I'm thinking, okay, I can accept that there are no opposites. I'm just perceiving yeah. it as if there are. Absolutely. I'm with it. And then beginning to understand all this, we shall grasp the separate ideas concerning the essentials of the noumenal world or the world of many dimensions in which we really live. Yet again, that ties in. Well, we've got all these dimensions and it's like, it's not that they're over there or under here or whatever. They're all at once, and we're living in them. So just just to come back on ourselves a bit with that particular sentence, and then beginning to understand all this, we shall grasp the separate ideas concerning the essentials of the noumenal world. Well, first of all, when you've got a plural, that means there's more than one, and separate ideas means there's more than one. You can't even explain this without, <laughs> without, without, without going into duality. You're and right. When talk, and, when he, and when he talks about the noumenal world or the world of many dimensions, what do you mean many dimensions? There's only one thing. <laughs> yeah, I think he's saying the perceived, the perception. Yeah, I know, I know he is, but I just, I You're just being find cheeky. It, I'm afraid yeah, I find it, this, this is how sad I am. I find that highly amusing. <laughs> I just do. Well, I find it amusing that you pointed it out, and then I then I actually thought, oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> well, <laughs> straight yeah. over my head, but yeah. Uh, yeah, but but he's he's already he's already given himself a pass. You can't explain it in language, so we're going to give it a crack. But it's more, you know, but it's failed concept. anyway. <laughs> it's yeah, failed it anyway. <laughs> yeah. So uh, he says. Um, in such case, the higher logic, even with its imperfect formulae, as they may appear in our rough language of concepts, represents, in spite of this, a powerful instrument of knowledge of the world, our only means of preservation from deceptions. So he's bringing in this, we'll throw away uh, basic logic and mathematics of the phenomenal world. We're looking at this higher logic, this higher mathematics to kind of give it a shine a bit of a light on what it, it it's it's a powerful instrument as opposed to giving us all the answers but it gives us a it opens a crack to peek in that there's something something there yeah yeah um but that's all it gives us yeah that's all it gives us it's uh, i think that's why he says instrument of knowledge of the world yeah not, I, and not, i think you yeah. know and the application of this instrument of thought gives the key to the mysteries of nature to the world as it is mm. how do you apply this knowledge I'll tell you how you apply it. 
not by uh, reading a book or watching a movie. You literally have to be open and receptive to the glimpse that you're going to get. So whichever way you go about it, sitting under a tree like the Buddha for a million years or um, working through a magical system to get you there, or, you know, it's di whichever path you take, you need to be in this state of accepting readiness before it will be revealed to you. Because any doubt that you have about it will be like a massively shut door barring your way. So when you say accepting readiness, it's just accept that you don't know what you don't know. Is that what you mean? Yeah, just accept that this, this singularity is the reality and that everything else isn't. You accept that. Yeah, I understand. You can only just accept it. You can't prove it. You can't... No. So if you accept it in your heart rather than in your mind, your mind is useless, by the way, um, if you accept that, um, and I'll say in, in your heart, you know what I mean, in your, the core of your being, it will reveal itself to you either as a flash of, of revelation or bit by bit till suddenly one day you turn around and, 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 and realize that you understand the, re the reality of nature and the illusion that we are playing with having the human experience. Either way, it will happen, but you do at first need to, in your heart, accept that reality before you're ready to have it revealed to you. Which I think would be hard for people that are stuck in their head. They need an experience to get them out of that way of thinking. I'm, on, I'm not going to joke. It is easy. What's hard is if you are of the analytical thinking type. And that's if that's what you believe about yourself, then getting into the state of acceptance is something that you, you, know, you won't necessarily do. And unless you're into that state of acceptance, you're not going to have the experience. If you, are, if you find it easy to live in your feelings and accept, then you'll find it easier to have the experience. It'll be easy to, easier to come by. Yeah. That, that, didn't, that, that didn't sound very good either, but it, it, that's the best way I can put it. Look, I, I, I think Espensky's been sort of saying that all the way through the book as well. I, you know, yeah, I, I, just, I, I do too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, reiterating what he's been saying. So, Pete, I'm going to leave it there because we have a little bit left in the book that I don't want to rush. Uh, in the next section, this is where Espensky really summarises in, well, I've got 10 and you've got 12, uh, very clear points about what we know about the world of dimensions and, you know, the world of noumena and causes. So it's well worth putting that into a separate podcast, in my opinion. And I believe you have a special name for these particular 10, 12 tablets. Well, I'm going to call them, I'm going to call them the beastly beatitudes of P.D. Ospensky. It's like the Sermon on the Mount. He's even, he's even numbered them, you know, so, you know, you've got this list of descriptions of multiple dimensions and, you know, so it's very, very interesting to go through them as a separate piece, I think. Yeah. I, so that, so that they don't get mixed up in everything else because they're worthy of being standing alone. Yeah, absolutely. He just really nails it. He takes everything he's got up to this point and said, now, let's have a look. What, are, what do other dimensions look like? Bang, 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 bang. Yeah, and he's even numbered them. I mean, he really does make, he's made a list. He's he gone out of his he way has. to consciously make a list. And so they, they do deserve um, 
a little bit of focus of their own. Absolutely. So I'm going to leave this podcast and we will start with those at the next podcast. So thanks so much for joining me yet again. It was brilliant. I love it. Oh, me too. Me too. And uh, thanks everyone for listening.